Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the purveyor of so-called fiction, the one who is here to inoculate you from propaganda, Johnny Profita. Thank you all so very much for tuning in once again to the Greatest Libertarian Podcast, this side of the Mason-Dixon line, if I do say so myself. I hope everyone's week is going by nice and dandy. Mine is flying by, thanks in large part to me being pretty busy. Pretty busy. Not a whole lot of free time for me these days, but that's always kind of a good thing when the week goes by quickly and then you have a nice long weekend coming up. We have Columbus Day on Monday, so for those of you who are off your 9 to 5, congratulations. I don't think there's anything better than waking up on a Monday morning and realizing that you do not have to drag yourself out of bed and begin the commute to the office. I, of course, will still be working on Monday. I plan on recording an episode then, and I also plan on getting one done over the weekend That will be one of the pre-recorded episodes I mentioned on the last podcast so that I can release it sometime in November while I am sunning myself a while down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and I can keep you guys entertained. Make sure you don't forget about me, all that good stuff. So we're about less than a month away from that. The countdown has begun. And I gotta say, it can't come soon enough. It really can't. The um, weather is starting to turn here in Chicago. I think it's going to drop to 40 or so over the weekend. And winter is coming, as they say. And it can. It's just time to get out. It's time to get the hell out of here. Maybe not come back. Who knows? I I've only been saying that for about 12 years now. But one of these days... One of these days, I promise you, I will board a plane and I will not return. I will not set foot in this hellhole that is Illinois. Um, <laughs> I actually plan on doing an episode about that, just how screwed Illinois is in general. But anyway, um, until that time comes... Let's talk about the big news this week. The I guess the big news, aside from all the impeachment craziness that's been dominating the news cycle, and that is that Donald Trump has announced 
that he is going to withdraw troops from Syria again. <laughs> um, now, I've definitely gone over my thoughts on this in previous episodes because Trump has been threatening to do this. He's been threatening to withdraw troops from Syria since he started running for president. And we haven't gotten any of that to come to fruition. So I don't want to repeat myself too much. And if you're curious or you haven't listened to those previous episodes, I encourage you to go back and do so. Obviously, I think withdrawing troops from Syria would be a good thing. Probably the best thing Trump could do. Of course, it's not just Syria. It's all of these sandboxes that we've had troops stationed in fighting pointless wars, endless, illegal, immoral wars for the last 20 years. Um, and, and, you know, if he actually accomplishes this, if he actually withdraws troops and brings them home, and he doesn't just shuffle them around the Middle East or move them in from northern Syria into southern Syria, which is looking more and more like what the case would be. If he actually accomplishes that, then he deserves praise for it. He deserves a lot of praise. But like I said, every every other time Trump has talked about doing this, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Trump has come out and made a lot of good arguments for withdrawing troops. In fact, I was just reading one of his tweets the other day. Let me pull that up. Here, this is Donald Trump. The United States has spent $8 trillion fighting and policing in the Middle East. Thousands of our great soldiers have died or been badly wounded. Millions of people have died on the other side. Going into the Middle East is the worst decision ever made. <laughs> so that was one of his tweets. And I got to say, I couldn't agree more. That's probably one of his best tweets, most accurate things Trump has ever said. I agree with it 100%. Here's the thing. He's been president for three years. Has nobody told him that he's the commander-in-chief of the armed forces? I mean, he could have done this on day one, as all these politicians love to fantasize about the, all the stuff they'll do on day one, my first day in office, I'm going to do this. My first day in office, I'm going to do that. If this is the worst decision we've ever made, why not address that your first day in office? He doesn't have to go to Congress. He doesn't have to consult generals or advisors or seek approval from anyone. It's totally up to him. He could pick up the phone tomorrow, call Central Command, and order all the troops to be withdrawn immediately. He is the boss on this. His say on this is final. That's it. So if he really believes those things, if he really believes what he's been saying, why hasn't he done this already? I mean, I mean, talk is cheap. Uh, stop blabbing about bringing the troops home and ending these pointless, expensive wars that are a total waste of money, a total waste of life, that by all accounts have been a complete disaster, including your own, and do it already. Just do it. I mean, what's stopping you? Are you not man enough, Donald Trump? I thought you were this tough guy. I thought you were the tough guy. You, you claim to be the most military supportive president ever, right? I, I hear you praising the troops all the time and their bravery, like they're one rung below you and your godliness. So if you care about them so much, 
Why are you risking their lives in these wars that you openly admit are a complete waste of time and money? Why are you sacrificing their lives and limbs just to, what, save face? Or because it's politically expedient? I mean, I'm sorry, but you can score points by campaigning on endless war, on ending wars and bringing troops home. And I'll give you props for being honest and having the balls to tell people straight to their face, just straight up that Obama created ISIS and ragging on Jeb Bush for his brother's disastrous foreign policy. That's all great. That's all great. But once you take the reins, once you have control for three years and you don't do shit, not only that, not only do you not do what you said you were going to do, but you continue to drop bombs on these people. You continue to sell weapons to the Saudis to refuel their jets and support them as they conduct what's essentially a genocide over in Yemen. You don't get props anymore. You don't get props for talking. You don't get to score cheap political points by talking about doing great things. You have to actually execute. At some point, you actually have to follow through on some of these promises if you want me to praise you. And until that happens, it's all just more blowhardy rhetoric from the biggest blowhard that's ever set foot in Washington. And that's really saying something. Um, now, what I will give you credit for, Donald Trump, as I often do, is your ability to get the D.C. establishment and the corporate press to just completely reveal themselves for the charlatans that they are. Because the real story here is not, at least I don't think, it's not that Trump is talking about withdrawing troops. As I said, talk is cheap. You know, wake me up when he actually puts them on a plane home. The real story here is the reaction of the political class to Trump's suggestion that we end our involvement in Syria. It's really unbelievable. It's unbelievably revealing in a number of ways. First of all, you get a great glance into the spectrum of what's allowable opinion in Washington. You know, these two sides who claim to be on opposite ends of the world politically, they're mortal enemies. Well, apparently, when it comes to slaughtering brown people in the Middle East, Everyone is in complete agreement here. Everyone from Ilan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney. They're all in complete agreement on this. I mean, look how hysterical they all get at the mere mention, the mere hint of bringing home like the smallest number of troops imaginable. I mean, here, I'll, I'll pull up their Twitters. Listen to these charlatans. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Trump's sudden withdrawal from northern Syria and endorsement of Turkey's actions could have catastrophic consequences and risk laying the groundwork for immense violence and suffering. We can pursue a strategy to stop our endless wars without endangering the lives of innocent people. Yeah, okay. That, that's going to go over really well. How do, you, how do you plan on ending endless wars without withdrawing troops? Because every time we withdraw troops, there's going to be potential for violence and suffering. Ilan Omar, Trump's move will not put an end to endless wars. Well, I agree with that. What it will do is reward Russia, Iran, and ISIS. 
He's not leading us towards peace. He's showing the world that his political interests are more important than reliable leadership and keeping our commitments to our allies. All right, so those are the, you know, the anti-war left, right, allegedly, the, the ones who, before Donald Trump decided that he didn't want to be in these wars, they were against them as well. Then you have the likes of Lindsey Graham, who's never seen a war he didn't like. I mean, Lindsey Graham's Twitter feed is just cancer. It is terrible. Every single tweet is just the absolute worst take on foreign policy known to man. I mean, and he's got a million of them, but it's never wise to abandon our ally who have sacrificed on your behalf. It's never wise to repeat the mistakes of your predecessor. I agree. It's never wise to outsource American national security to Turkey or any other nation. Turkey does not have the capability to keep ISIS from reemerging, and their primary target is the Kurds, not ISIS. It would be unwise to believe otherwise. I, I mean, yeah, it, it is a huge mistake to repeat the, the mistakes that your predecessor made, which is why we should get out of all these wars. Pull the troops out. How, how is staying there not repeating the mistakes of our predecessors? Even the likes of like Mitt Romney, this president's decision to abandon our Kurdish allies in northern Syria is ultimately a victory for Assad, Russia, Iran, and ISIS. The administration must immediately reconsider withdrawing the few remaining U.S. troops who are playing a vital peacekeeping role. And then you have Meghan McCain's of the world, keeping her father's legacy alive. The Kurds are our allies and critical to defeating ISIS. Erdogan cannot be trusted, and by bowing to Turkey's demands, we are betraying our allies and risking humanitarian disaster. Short-sighted and wrong. So there you go. There's the extent of, of opinion on this topic in Washington. From Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, we can't abandon our, the Kurds and our, our, our precious allies in the Middle East. This will be this is going to be a disaster. To Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney saying pretty much the exact same thing. That, that's what passes for, for um, analysis on this topic in Washington. That right there, the spectrum of those tweets tells you everything you need to know about this sham of a government. And it's, it's what I think is the most important part of this story, is that when it comes to the worst things that the state does, war, mass murder, spying, removing your fundamental rights as a human being, Democrats and Republicans, all the mainstream D.C. establishment, you know, the swamp, they're all in complete agreement on this. All of a sudden, these politicians who profess to hate one another, who say they will never compromise or reach across the aisle, they're all marching in lockstep. And it happens so often that you probably don't even notice it because it doesn't get any fanfare or press. Maybe because... You know, it happens so fast they slip it by you. Or, I don't know, because it isn't sexy news. Take, for example, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. This act came up for a, a vote to renew it. This is the act that Obama signed into law in 2011 that gave the government permission to detain American citizens indefinitely without trial. You know, he just completely bulldozed the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the Fourteenth Amendment. With the stroke of a pen, he overturned the Bill of Rights, and there wasn't even a discussion about this in Washington. There was no news about this. There was no press coverage. You probably never even heard about it. 
This act comes up from re- for renewal, I think, every fiscal year. I could be wrong about that, but if it's not that often, it's frequently enough. It's frequently enough that they can at least discuss it. And every time there isn't any debate or division on this in Washington, it's just like, well, the NDAA needs, author- needs reauthorization. We're all in agreement on this, and it gets rubber stamped right away with no discussion, with no press whatsoever. The Patriot Act, the exact same thing. Entire departments that have been created to spy on the American people, to infringe on your freedoms, and with the exception of maybe Rand Paul and Thomas Massey, nobody ever puts up a fight on these things. Nobody ever brings them up. It's it's despicable. They should be ashamed of themselves. They are derelict in their duties. Bipartisanship, all the lemmings out there praise it like it's this wonderful thing. They almost praise it on the same level as democracy. They're always touting these bipartisan agreements. You know, we this is a bipartisan uh, consensus, as if there's some magical, wondrous things. They're not, okay? Bipartisanship is the worst of both worlds. If you hear that a bipartisan deal is passed in Washington or they reached a compromise, run for the hills. Run for the hills. You just got screwed six ways from Sunday. You got the worst that the neocons had to offer, and on top of that, you get the worst that the socialists had to offer. It's a complete disaster. And they always seem to come together to agree to extend or expand the worst things that the state does. And it's... (laughs) It's pretty entertaining to watch the gymnastics that these lefties are going through right now to try and find reasons to be against what Trump is talking about doing. You know, the left, that party that used to be the anti-war party until Black Jesus came along, got in there and tried to bomb democracy into the Middle East. Well, you know, once he left office, war was bad again. Okay, and just about every single Democratic candidate, as he or she has said in the debates, that we should end these these wars. We should bring the troops home. And now all of a sudden that's irresponsible because Trump wants to do it. They have to find some bullshit reason to be against the idea because Trump is for it. It's just, you know, since orange man bad, then orange man idea bad. That's the extent of their knowledge on the subject. You know, at this point, Trump should just call their bluff. End every war immediately. Shove that in their faces. Bring all the troops home tomorrow. And then let them watch the Democrats and let them try to to explain why they're against the fact that you just ended a bunch of 20-year wars. And then, you know, move move on to all the other left-wing ideas. Start advocating for a $20 minimum wage, Medicare for all, free college, open borders, let illegal immigrants vote, even more gun confiscation. I mean, let's see how far we can really push this. Let's see how far the Democrats will bend over backwards for the sole purpose of being anti-Trump. We, who knows? We might get them to abandon all of their socialism in, in the name of hating Donald Trump. That is the only chance we have as far as I'm concerned. Let them cut, cut off their noses despite their faces. I, I think that would be a pretty interesting strategy. But anyway, um, now all of a sudden, you know, everyone's so worried about the Kurds, the precious Kurds, our allies, the Kurds. First of all, um, Turkey 
are have been our NATO allies, not the Kurds. Okay, they the Kurds should just make a deal with Assad that that allows the Syrian army to come in and provide a safe zone, and then they can tell Turkey that there's no reason for them to come in to 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 make said safe zone or whatever the hell Turkey's claiming that the reason they want to go in there. I mean. Look, it's hard for me to feel bad for the Kurds. They made a deal with the devil, okay? A crazy deal to think that America will stay there indefinitely and defend them from a Turkish invasion when Turkey has been our NATO ally for like 70 years and the Kurds haven't? How do you expect this to play out? I mean, what were they thinking? Turkey doesn't want an autonomous Syrian Kurdistan. So, so, I mean, what did they think was going to happen? We're, gonna, we're just going to stay there forever. They've been listening to Lindsey Graham too much. For any of you out there who, who um, want to dive deeper into all this insanity of the Middle Eastern conflict conflicts, if you really want to understand the history over there and why things are the way they are and the effects of U.S. involvement, I highly recommend checking out antiwar.com. Listen to Scott Horton on these topics. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of this stuff. He's definitely the best anti-war voice out there. I'm not going to pretend to know everything that's going on over there, but you really don't even have to. You don't even have to know every little intricate detail of all these different factions and religions and who wants to attack who and who's aligning with who and why. You don't need to know all this stuff to realize that this is just feigned outrage over Kurds being killed coming out of Washington. This is all just about the U.S. being able to stay in Syria to check Iran. That's it. Lindsey Graham and all these damn neocons acting like they give two shits about the Kurds? You think Lindsey Graham gives a rat's ass about some Kurdish people halfway around the world? Give me a goddamn break. These neocons will find any ridiculous reason to justify staying over there in perpetuity. No matter how bad things go, no matter how long they drag on, no matter you know what the result is or lack thereof, they keep trotting out the same stupid reason why we need to stay engaged over there. You know, these tired excuses that we've been hearing for 20 years. We have to fight them over there so we don't fight them over here. You know, this is a, an endangerment to our national security. Really? Really? Turkey is endangering? What part of my national security is over there in Syria? Where are my rights that are under attack? You know, my, uh, my fundamental human rights that you guys claim to be, all you politicians claim to be so concerned about. Which one of my rights is over there in Syria? I, I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting how anything that goes on over there affects my life whatsoever. And don't give me this shit about 9-11, okay? The only reason they attack us is because we're over there. We're over there meddling in things where we don't belong. We're over there creating terrorists. That's why they attack us. It's not because they hate our freedom, okay? That's ridiculous. And you know you're on the right side of history if you find yourself disagreeing with the likes of Lindsey Graham and the Meghan McCain's of the world. I mean, these people are perfect contrarian indicators. When it comes to foreign policy, and you're, maybe you're not quite sure what to do, you know, you really have to think this through, uh, you know, weighing the lives of these Kurdish allies with 
the lives of American soldiers and uh, whatever. Ask a neocon for their opinion. A- ask them what we should do, and then do the exact opposite. Go consult Lindsey Graham on our strategy in Syria. Whatever he says, employ the exact opposite tactics. If he says you need to stay, you leave. If he says wait a while, you act immediately. Like George Costanza. You know, this is no longer just a theory, guys. This is my religion. Do the opposite of what anybody related to John McCain ever says, and you will be right every time. Every time. This is the retarded hypocrisy you see on the right. You know, I always go off on how the left has many versions of this. You know, they like to equate any decrease in education spending as being anti-education. You know, they have all these complex, the education industrial complex, if you will, is one of their messiahs. The right's version of this, it's the military industrial complex. No matter how much sense you try to talk into them, they will never stop believing in the righteousness of military invasion military intervention. I mean, after 20 years, after a 20-year catastrophe, you still find yourself supporting the same policies over and over again and coming up with the same excuses for not changing policy. Oh, well, if we leave, that's going to create a power vacuum and could lead to more loss of life. And Oh, we got to save the Kurdish people. There's really no hope for you at this point. You have a mental disorder. Lindsey Graham had one of the most ridiculous tweets I've ever seen, and that says a lot coming from his Twitter feed. Let me pull this up. This one's this one's really unbelievable. The Obama libertarian foreign policy does not make America safe. If ignoring radical Islam made America safe, there would not have been a 9-11. Okay. Um, the only thing that Lindsey Graham got right in that tweet there was the spelling of Barack Obama's name. Obama's libertarian isolationism? In what galaxy would Barack Hussein Obama be considered a libertarian isolationist on foreign policy? Uh, Under his administration, we dropped something like 100,000 bombs during the course of his tenure. We destroyed Libya, overthrew Gaddafi, We perpetuated wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, bombed the bejesus out of Syria, fought proxy wars all over the place in Yemen, Somalia, places like Niger. Remember when reports came out that some special forces guys, this was a few years ago, obviously if it was under Obama, um, some special forces guys were killed in an ambush in Niger and nobody even knew that we had troops over there? I, I mean, nobody knows how many of these engagements we're in. They just keep multiplying. They're like cancer cells. And and how many of you can even point to Niger on a map? I don't think I could. I don't think I could find Niger. Isolationism. Is this guy high? Are you high, Lindsey Graham? Uh, Go ask the millions of refugees that have been flooding into Europe how isolated they feel from U.S. foreign policy. Uh, Go ask the relatives of the millions of people that have been killed in the Middle East over the last decade how isolated they felt from Barack Obama's foreign policy. I mean, Jesus Christ, how does anybody take this guy seriously? How are people like this even in charge? This is insane. If you were to pull up the, the history of Lindsey Graham's Twitter account and just read through all of his tweets uh, on uh on the Middle East, he would be saying the exact same thing year after year, 
decade after decade, if Twitter had been around this long, of why we can't remove ourselves from these conflicts. And the idea that Trump has been an isolationist following in the footsteps of Obama is, is as equally ridiculous. I mean, this is so insane. It makes you wonder if they actually understand what the words that they're saying really mean. Isolationism? Donald Trump? Donald Trump has continued all of the wars and intervention that Obama took on. Obama carried on all of the Bush wars and interventions and, and tacked on a few of his own for good measure. If anything, Donald Trump has escalated Obama's escalation of those wars. He, he's escalated Afghanistan. He's escalated in Yemen. He's escalated Somalia. He's escalated Libya. Uh, the list goes on and on. How delusional can you be to think that this is that what we have been doing, that the United what the United States has been doing over the last 20 years in the Middle East is libertarian isolationism? Give me a break. Give me a break. And now the mere mention of pulling back just a little bit, all that stuff that I just mentioned, we're like, hey, we want to move some remove some troops from northern Syria and put them into southern Syria. And the establishment from Ocasio-Cortez to Mitt Romney, go ballistic. Start whining about some Kurds that nobody's ever heard of until last week. And now everyone's up in arms about it. All of a sudden, Kurdish genocide is trending on Twitter. What about all the other genocides that we've been perpetuating all these years? The vast majority of the American people have never heard of a Kurd. They don't know what a Kurd is. If they're from Wisconsin, they're thinking cheese curds. Okay batter them up, drop them in a deep fryer, and serve them with a side of marinara sauce. The idea that because some Kurdish people halfway around the world are in danger of being killed by some other country, that we have to stay engaged in perpetual war for the rest of our lives, for, till the end of time, is insane. It's insane. And ev almost everyone in Washington is supporting this. Bernie Sanders, I, I mean, all these people, they've, they've lost their collective minds. Bernie Sanders, even Bernie Sanders, the old scumbag who's always bragging about how he voted against the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he's always on the right side of history, and all his supporters say the same thing. It was his only differing position from Hillary Clinton, and literally the only good position that Bernie Sanders has ever taken. And now he wants to keep the troops over there. Here's his Twitter. I have long believed the U.S. must responsibly end our military interventions in the Middle East. But Trump's abrupt announcement to withdraw from northern Syria and endorse Turkey's incursion is extremely irresponsible. It is likely to result in more suffering and instability. Okay. Yeah, the abrupt announcement. He's been talking about it for four fucking years. I mean, if that's abrupt, uh, <laughs> how much longer can we drag this out? Four years of talking about it and then finally making like the, the smallest, most minuscule movement of troops. That's abrupt. Then, then we're never going to get out of there. What, are we going to pull out one soldier every 15 years? Yeah, that's great. We can end the Syrian conflict by uh, the year 25,000. Awesome. Listen, whenever someone makes one of these qualifying political statements, you hear these all the time. I'm all for blah, 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 but, like, I'm all for limited government, but, 
or I'm all for ending the Fed, but I'm all for legal immigration, but feel free to ignore anything they say before the word but because they don't actually believe any of it. Okay, you can just ignore that for the first part of that sentence and pay attention to what they say after the word but because that's their true belief. And remember, these are all the same people who were freaking out about Trump being president and having his finger on the nuclear button. Remember all this? He was literally Hitler. He was just going to snap one day and launch a bunch of nukes and destroy the planet. And now these same people, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bernie Sanders, Ilan Omar, all of them, all these same people are the ones encouraging him to continue wars, to continue bombing campaigns, while he's at least paying lip service to ending them. It, you can't make this stuff up. You expect this kind of stuff from the neocons like Lindsey Graham, who have never seen a country that they didn't want to attack. But guys like Bernie Sanders, who, you know, I've made no secret about my feeling towards that man. I think he's despicable. They're supposed to be the sane voices on this matter, right? At least that's how they pitch themselves to you. And lo and behold, Bernie Sanders, Bernie the scumbag Sanders, once again shows his true colors. When push comes to shove, up oh, he's not as anti-war as he professes to be. I guess not. So it just goes to show you how ridiculous this whole thing is. Look, if these were honest people who actually cared about doing some good in the world, about doing what is right, then it shouldn't matter how they feel about Donald Trump. If it means saving lives, ending a mass murder campaign, you're telling me you can't put aside your, uh, your feelings for Donald Trump and work with him on that? You can't put aside your personal feelings for two seconds to save a couple hundred thousand lives? I mean, yeah, of course, there are problems over there. Of course there are problems there. And of course there are going to be problems if we pull out. But the idea that that requires us, the, the idea that there, since there are, um, there are people like the Kurds over there who are in danger, that requires us to stay over there indefinitely is absolutely ridiculous. We've done nothing but exacerbate any problems that they might have had over there by arming and training the so-called moderate rebels back regime change. We've created more terrorists than we've eliminated, just like every single government intervention, whether it be in the economy, you know, the government intervenes in the economy to make it more structurally sound. They end up making it even more unstable. They intervene to make college more affordable. It's more expensive than ever. Healthcare more affordable. It's more expensive than ever. Welfare, you know, they're going to end poverty. They're going to fight the war on poverty. Oh, well, now we just have as much poverty as we had before. Homelessness is running rampant in places like California and New York. Tent cities are popping up everywhere. People are shitting in the streets. Oh, you know, we're going to make uh, housing more affordable. Oops. <laughs> it turns out we created the largest housing bubble the world had ever seen. Housing is more expensive than ever. Uh, we're going to fight a war on drugs. We're going to rid the, the country of, these, of all this drug use. And now we have more drugs flooding in than ever before. We have an opioid crisis that's killing people. I, I could go on and on. But just like all of those interventions, just like every single government intervention, and if you take away nothing from this podcast other than this lesson, like every other government intervention, we gave them the go-ahead to rid the world of terrorism, right? 
as if that's even possible. But that's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go fight against the terrorists. And what do they do? They just arm, train, and create a bunch more terrorists. In country after country, they've gone in, toppled dictators, secular dictators, in favor of jihadists. Just because those jihadists are against Iran. They're anti-Iran, so we can support them. When they set out to fight a war against terrorism, the government proceeds to go out and fight a war precisely for terrorism. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. The bottom line, I guess, is this, right? There's no doubt that the Middle East is, is flooded with angry, armed rebels of, of, all, of all sorts, right? And as long as they're there, which will be forever, there will always be some bullshit excuse for the U.S. to stay involved. There will always be some reason why now is not a good time. This time it's the Kurds. Next time they'll come up with some other obscure tribe that we need to protect. We can't keep doing this. We cannot police the world. We cannot fix whatever is going on over in the Middle East. All we've done is make it worse. We've made everything worse. The ripple effect of our foreign policy over there has ramifications that have reverberated throughout the entire world. There is never going to be a way for us to withdraw our presence from all of these places in the Middle East and not have any negative repercussions. They're always going to be there. So there's always going to be that excuse to stay. At some point, we're going to have to bite the bullet and pull out. And and the fallout is going to be what the fallout is. But we can't just keep throwing good money after bad, good lives after bad, and continue the same insanity that we've been doing for the last 30 years. This cannot continue. There's never going to be a good time to do this. So the sooner the better. Okay, let let these people work it out amongst themselves. We have no business being over there. Uh, our involvement only makes things worse. And we can easily protect ourselves from any terrorist threats. We don't have to be stationed around the world intervening in other people's business. That's why they attacked us on 9-11, Lindsey Graham. That's why. Because we're over there killing killing their people. We're over there creating terrorists. We're not eliminating them. And you never will eliminate them. Ridding the world of, of terrorism is the most insane idea ever. It's like ridding the world of hate. What does that even mean? Like, how is that even possible? It's never going to happen, okay? So let's get the hell out of there. Let's get the hell out of everywhere. Pull all the troops back. Worry about defending our actual borders, okay? Let's start playing actual defense and not offense, okay? This isn't... This isn't like football where the best defense is a great offense. <laughs> I've never actually subscribed to that theory, but there are teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. The best defense is a great offense. Forget that. The best defense is a goddamn defense, all right? Like the Bears, although not last week. So please, ladies and gentlemen, I implore you, do not listen to the likes of Lindsey Graham or Alexandria Casio cortez on anything let alone foreign policy. And when you find that the state, that the, the, the swamp, the D.C. establishment, that they're all in agreement on something, believe me, it's the worst possible outcome for you 
and the ones you care about. If they are all in agreement, if they are marching in lockstep with each other, realize that that whatever they're agreeing on is not going to be good for you. It's going to be good for them. It's going to be good for government and the, the albatross that's hanging around all of our necks. This idea that we need Washington to do something, that they always need to do something, and that it has to be bipartisan is nonsense. What you want in Washington is gridlock. Absolute gridlock is the best case scenario because everything the government does is based on force. Every time they do something, you lose freedom. You lose rights every single time, no matter what it is. By definition, when they pass a law, when they pass legislation, you are less free. So please learn from our mistakes of the past. Not not whatever lesson Lindsey Graham apparently learned, because I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But let's learn the the correct lessons from our predecessors and not repeat the same foreign policy mistakes that we've done over and over again my entire life. Let's try something different. I'm told that doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. So let's not be insane for once, okay? Let's not be insane and try something different. What's the worst that could happen if we pull our troops out? Okay, the Kurds, yeah, the Kurds will get attacked. All right, I mean, that's on them. They should have never believed that the U.S. would protect them in perpetuity, okay? I'm sorry, that's on them now. And yeah, we, we share a huge responsibility for everything that we've screwed up over there but we can't just stay over there indefinitely making things worse and expecting them to get better. So guys, if you like the show today, do me a favor, download and subscribe, share the show. I know there are people out here who need to be scolded on this, who need to be yelled at. I am perfectly fine with yelling at them. So share the show with those people. All right. Send this to Lindsey Graham. Maybe we can get him to listen to it, and I can knock some sense into that idiot. Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> but anyways, share the show. Give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. And remember, you can always donate to the show monetarily by going to our website, peddlingfictionpodcast.com. Follow me on Twitter, at pedalfiction. You will get access to the world's greatest meme folder, and if you could do all that, I will be back on Monday with a brand new episode. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.